you're listening to a message from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space for people to practice the ways of Jesus together. And good evening, Kaleo Phoenix. Um, I was not going to say this, but I was told I should still stick to this even after that sorrowful loss last night. Go Suns. Suns in seven, right? I'm a huge sports fan and we're in the city of Phoenix, so I feel, felt like I should probably just go ahead and acknowledge that. So as Aaron already mentioned, my name is Obani Ukuku, and I'm the owner and founder of Obani E. Ukuku Consulting, LLC, which works with businesses as well as churches engaged in or seeking to engage in the work of justice through building systems, structures, and relationships to meet the needs of the community in sustainable and impactful ways. To just give you a little bit of information about how I wound up where I am today, I'm a first-generation Nigerian-American. I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, and I came to the faith at seven years old. Now, two years before that, when I was five, I walked into my father's office and I told him, I'm going to law school. And if you don't believe me, those who are on Zoom, you can verify that with my family who's watching tonight. I know it's a little bit of a strange thing for a child to say and then actually follow through with it, but clearly God had a plan. Now, the thing about this declaration was that that was the only plan that I had. So for 20 years after that, went straight through school, went to law school, and at the beginning of my final semester of law school, I went through what I consider my quarter-life crisis, where I said, Lord, I don't know what it is that you want me to do. And um, my roommate at the time and a very good friend of mine, she found me weeping on the floor between my closet and bathroom, saying that, God, at least if I had a plan, you could mess up the plan. But I had no starting place. And God in his faithfulness, like as the tears just began to roll, it was as though a dam broke loose. And that very night, the Lord told me what it is that he would have me to do which was what I ended up doing for the next several years after, which was practicing in public defense as a public defender, representing parents and children involved in child welfare proceedings, and then going on to represent adults facing criminal charges. I did that, like I said, for several years until I was asked by a local church here in Phoenix to come on staff and build their justice and care ministry. I, once I transitioned off of staff there, I went into a season of solitude just to really figure out what is it that the Lord wants me to do with the next stage of my life, which ended up being continuing to fight for justice through equipping and empowering others to do the same. And that's my hope tonight is that if there's anything that you gather from this message tonight is that God is a God of justice and that he's calling you to do justice as well. Uh, when I was preparing for this message, uh, two of my friends who are here tonight, they asked me, well, what are you going to preach about? To which I replied, justice. And they sarcastically said, really? Because <laughs> you see, justice as a consultant and as an attorney and somebody who just overall loves justice is something that honestly I think about uh, many times of the day, if not almost every waking moment of the day. Yet justice is such an ominous word. We hear justice on its own, we hear social justice, we hear economic justice, environmental justice, biblical justice, pretty much any type of justice that you can think about, we hear that. And today, with all the different ways that justice is talked about or prefaced, one of the things that remains true for each and every believer here tonight, as well as those watching online and globally, is that the Lord has called all of us to do justice. But there's so much noise around us. 
We have the news, we have politicians, we have, unfortunately, sometimes people within our own faith communities, our thoughts, our mindsets, our belief systems, neighbors, words, changing definition of words, misunderstanding of words, creation of new words, and sometimes intentional confusion that makes it all the more difficult for us to actually hear the call, because it's not a request, the call, a mandate that the Lord has for us to do justice. So tonight, with all the noise that we are constantly hearing around us, I want us to really just talk about how do we sift through that noise so that we not only hear the call to justice that the Lord has given us, but also do justice. Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given us just to be able to gather in your presence this evening and to speak about justice, Lord, something that is a part of your heart. God, I, right now, I'll go ahead and pray over the entire congregation of Kaleo, Lord Jesus Christ, and each and every believer listening tonight, Lord, that you would just open up their hearts, their minds, their spirits, their ears, just to hear the word that it is that you are calling us to hear, Lord. Father God, may it not be my words that, are, that I'm speaking, but may it be your spirit, Father God. Speak through me and speak to us all. In Christ Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen and amen. Sifting through the noise to answer the call to justice. Before we can actually get to how do we sift through the noise to answer the call to justice, we have to establish why it's even important for us to answer this call. So if you have your Bibles, if you could turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 21. I'll give everybody a second to turn. Here Paul writes, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened and anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Here, Paul establishes a few things for the believer. One, to live as Christ. Two, to go on living as believers must mean fruitful labor for us. And three, that our lives should be lived in a manner worthy of the gospel. Throughout scripture, we see evidence of Christ's character and what he came to do. In Isaiah 9-7, we hear the writer state that Christ has come to establish his kingdom, sit on his throne and establish the kingdom of justice and righteousness. We also see a number of scriptures from the Old Testament to the New Testament that instruct us on justice, like Micah 6-8, which many of you may have heard when people speak about justice which says, he has shown us what is good and what he requires of us, which is to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with our God. Or Isaiah 58, where through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord says, 
that isn't the type of fast that he chooses, the one that will loose the bonds of wickedness, undo straps of yoke, set the oppressed free. In Isaiah 56, which instructs us to preserve justice. Then in the New Testament, we have Matthew 25, in which Christ tells us that when we feed the hungry, give something to drink to those who are thirsty, welcome the stranger, that as we do to the least of them that we have done to him. It's very apparent in scripture from beginning to end that the Lord calls us to do justice. And this is important because it tells us that if we are to live for Christ and have fruitful labor, that we must make justice a part of that living because that is a part of who Jesus Christ is. But what even is justice? While I am an attorney, I don't have a corner market on the definition of justice, nor do I ever, I will never purport to have a corner market on the word justice. And honestly, I would encourage all of you all to look it up, do some research, you know, gain information for yourself to really understand the different definitions of justice, what the Bible says about justice, but um, just to get that information for yourself. But what I will share with you all tonight is a little story close to a decade ago when I started practicing law, and I know I look very young, so I'm not sure if anybody picked that up earlier. I'm not a child genius, I just look very young for my age. So about close to a decade ago when I first started practicing law, the Lord took me through a big humbly season to show me what justice was. So even though I had this natural leaning that kind of led me into the areas in which I practiced law in, God, God still had to humble me and say like, hey, I'm gonna expand your understanding of justice. And what he expanded my understanding to is an understanding that I believe is important for all believers to have when it comes to justice. And that is that God's definition of justice, just like many other aspects of him, is far more expansive than our definition. That he does not base his justice, which is true justice, on our personal beliefs. And that at the same time, he has not left us out to dry on what justice is, as he's given us big instruction in this book called the Bible on justice and how to do it. But then we have noise. As a technical definition of noise states from the Oxford Dictionary, random fluctuations that obscure or do not contain meaningful data or other information. A definition that is so fitting for today. If there's not a dispute about, is justice biblical? It's, oh, is justice, uh, social justice biblical? Oh, it's critical race theory. All these words, most people don't even understand what they mean. <laughs> is that biblical and is that justice? And as believers, we must not get lost in the noise. Because if you have to start down the trail of prefacing justice to determine whether or not you are actually going to do justice, you're probably headed in the wrong direction anyways. And I'd venture to even say that you're looking for an excuse not to do justice. He has shown you, oh man, what is good. And the book of James tells us that if you know the good that you're supposed to do and you do not do it, for you it is a sin. And this is important for us as believers to cut through that noise, to hear that message of justice and to do it. Because at the end of the day, 
It's not a politician standing before the throne of God for you. It's not a pastor standing before the throne of God for you. It's you. And for me, it's me. And so I'm held accountable too of what I do here on earth. So how do we actually cut through the noise to answer the call to justice? To sift through the noise to answer the call of justice, the first thing that we must do is understand the battle that we are engaged in. Ephesians 6 tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, and that we must put on the armor of God to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, as, you mentioned, as I mentioned before, you heard me say that I'm Nigerian. So born and raised here in the States, fully identify as Nigerian as well as American. And I really contemplated whether or not I was going to put this scripture here tonight, just because like in America, for some reason, we just don't talk about the spiritual world. We don't talk about the fact that, you know, what Ephesians 6 says here, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's, it's against things that are standing in opposition to Christ. But in Africa, and I know I normally don't like to generalize Africa, um, but I can say definitely for Nigeria and a number of other countries in Africa that I've visited before, people believe in the spiritual realm. People believe it because I think you see it. Not that the spiritual realm is more alive there, but there seems to be less distraction. So I, I felt like, okay, no, let's talk about that tonight so that we understand that when it comes to justice and when it comes to any other aspect of Christ, that there's a battle that we are engaged in and we have to know and understand what that battle is. And so for the purposes of justice and then sifting through the noise and, and answering that call, we have to understand that if Christ is justice, which we know that he is, and that he wants us to do justice, which we know is true, is that we need to recognize that there will likely be a battle because the enemy stands in opposition of anything that has to do with Jesus Christ. So to sift through the noise, we have to first understand the battle in which we are engaged in so that we know what tools to bring to this battle. Secondly, we must test the spirits. First John 4.1 says, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. From Deuteronomy, which is in the beginning of the Bible, to 1 John, which is close to the end of the Bible, Scripture tells us that there will be false prophets, teachers, witnesses, people who will misconstrue the word of God. So what I'm saying tonight is nothing new. It's not this radical idea. Scripture tells us that from beginning to end, we will have people who are like this, and there are people who are doing that. And Scripture also tells us in Matthew 7 that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter his kingdom. So to sift through the noise, you must not blindly listen to every voice that you hear. You must test the spirits to know whether that word is from God. You can do this in two ways. One, check in the word that the person is saying against scripture. So I've given you all a number of scriptures tonight. I would encourage you to go back and check my word against scripture. Two, you can examine the fruit. It's like Matthew 7 also tells us, it says you shall know them by their fruit. And when I say fruit, 
And when scripture's talking about fruit, it's not talking about stuff. It's not talking about the decorative stuff like the Pharisees did in Matthew 23 that Christ calls him out on. We're not talking like social media posts, programs with different schools or organizations in the community, events, words. We're talking about actual fruit, like fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness. We're talking about fruit that you are seeing produces some type of actual sustainable change in the communities and the places in which you live and that actually nourishes the body of those who are around. So to sift through the noise, you must examine what you actually see from the people and places that you're receiving information from and not just what you want to see or hear. Which brings me to my third point. To sift through the noise, you must check the noise in your own life. If you grew up in church, you may have heard this saying called, we're in the world, but not of the world. Said it all the time. I see some people nodding their heads. Exactly. Y'all know what I'm saying. The irony of that statement, because I also grew up in church, is that there was so much focus on we are in the world, not of the world, that nobody really recognized the thought patterns, mindsets, beliefs, behaviors, and ways of living that they actually possess that actually were of the world. So you're so focused on, I'm going to be in it, I'm not going to be of it, you can't even concede that there are things within your life that may be of the world. Racism, bigotry, <laughs> you know, discrimination, oppression, you know, just to name a few. But there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. But we have to recognize these things that are in our lives that may be noise and then submit it to him so that he can do the work to sift through that mess so that we can actually truly be in the world and not of the world. Not run from it and, and be scared of it because it's still there, but to actually press into it and lay it at the feet of the cross. And finally, after you sift through the noise in your own life, You must abide in him. John 15 says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Whenever you sift through things in your life and clear it out, you must replace it with something else. And if you've not yet trusted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I invite you to do so. We've heard a lot of noise over the last several years, and maybe that's made some people here tonight or online question whether God is a God of justice and maybe hesitate coming to the cross. And if there's anything that I hope that you heard tonight is that the Lord loves you and that our God, no matter what anybody says, in fact, is a God of justice and he's clear about his justice. If you've already trusted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I invite you to ask the Lord to examine your spirit. Sift through the noise for you 
and ask him to show you the ways in which you can play a part in bringing justice in the community in which he has very specifically placed you in for a reason. For more resources or information about Kaleo, please visit our website at kaleophx.com or follow us on social media. If this episode has been helpful to you, let us know or share it with someone you know.